This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of your Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sports Pacer. I am joined by Everton correspondent Adam Jones, returning from a nice week off. Adam, feeling refreshed? I do. I do. I feel really up for this pod today. You look, you look good. Ready. Oh, thank you. You look good. Uh, he's trying to say I didn't before. before <laughs> yeah, you look, you look terrible. <laughs> and to my left, and he's just discovered that he lived in close proximity to Adam Jones back, back in the day. Uh, Gavin Buckland, well, Shubrook native. I, I wouldn't say back in the day that but, we were both <laughs> simultaneously by each other. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, so we got more than common just being good, fans. Good representation. Got two Shubrook and one Walton in here today. So yeah. good, proper towns. Are they towns? Villages? Villages? Walton Village, isn't it? <laughs> it was a village back in like the 1600s, I think. <laughs> when I was growing up, yeah. <laughs> just, just areas, aren't just areas. Yeah, two, two Brook gets his name from the Brook. Yeah, yeah. The maybe we can Brook. do like a, a special geography podcast. Does the, does the Brook still exist? Is yeah, it, it does. Yeah, is, is it behind the, uh, yeah, the old the venue? Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 absolutely. That's well, been knocked down now. That well, this is the content everyone's coming for. So, well, look, <laughs> we, we got sidetracked tonight. <laughs> Gavin, we'll start with you. Thoughts on uh, Sunday's draw with Chelsea? It was a uh, hard working goal, a straw. I thought we did well. It was, I was trying to think of this. It was, it was the type of game you very rarely see in the Premier League these days. Don't you? It was good, wasn't two, it? Yeah, we're two teams. There's a bit, bit of needle, bit of uh, physicality, um, you know, lots of lots of fouls. Um, and it was, you just don't see that in this sort of clean cut, clean image Premier League. Invariably, where one team is better than the other. And it reminded me very much of a game we played. You might remember this at Moises last season, the goal sort of Arsenal. Uh, right near yeah. the end of the campaign, yeah, yeah. which is very similar, and 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 the Guardian gave that as one of their six games of the season, even mm. though it was goalless, purely because you very rarely seen a game like that in the Premier League. And I thought that about about Sunday, uh, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it on that basis. Mm. Well, I mean, I completely agree. I think yet again we've gone to a top six side this season, third time we've done we've done that this season. We went there with the right attitude. It wasn't. A case of maybe in a, like a couple of seasons gone by that we'd have just sat back and tried to invite them on and they played for a draw maybe. like We were definitely going there and trying to break them down as much as possible. Granted, it wasn't really working in the final third for us uh, at Stamford Bridge, but at the end of the day, it's not going to work for you every game. And you know when, you've got, when you're playing against players who are as good as David Luiz and Antonio Rudiger, I think they were absolutely phenomenal at the weekend, to be honest. Like, I think any team is going to struggle to break them down when they've got defenders playing so well what did give me a lot of uh, give me a lot of hope was that our defense was so yeah. solid themselves I mean there were a couple of gaps in there like I was speaking to Michael Ball yesterday and he noticed like you know in the second half Dean got caught out when he left the ball for Pickford and uh, Mina was maybe a bit lucky not to give away a penalty but uh, apart from that I thought everyone was so solid defending from the front and uh yeah, it was really nice to see, and as as you say, like I I like to see that li- like little bit of needle, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, five foot three, Bernard Flaw and Antonio Rudiger, like <laughs> that's exactly what you want to see at the end of the day, isn't it? Like it, it was good in that we've been being accused, haven't we, of being too nice on occasions? And I think although we were more sinned against than sinner on a oh, Sunday, yeah. Yeah. it was good to see that we did sort of caused them a little bit of difficulty sort of in terms of not hate that phrase getting in the faces but we were competitive as you say and and the other good thing for me is um without trying to prejudge what we're going to talk about is is when marco came you know 
invariably people quite you know quite I looked at his goals conceded record at Watford and at Hull and thought you know he's a bit of a bit of a Martinez type two mm. coach here. But what he's shown, especially I think maybe the five six games, is that he's far from that. Mm. And defensively, he's a lot more savvy mm-hmm. than what people thought. And, and and to be fair to myself, is the way he set up the team, and I thought he set up the team perfectly on Sunday. And credit to the players, they carried appeared to carry out his instructions mm-hmm. to, to the to the word, to be honest with you. I think, I think on the Martinez it was a bit more like we were playing a very attacking style, obviously, but it was a bit more gung ho. It wasn't really that kind of pressing from the front kind of defensive style yeah. that Mar- Marco's really honed in on us. I think especially with Richarlison and Sigurdsson, they work so well up top together because I noticed, especially at the game at the weekend, whenever Chelsea's defence had the ball, we set up almost with a bank of four at the front. Like Sigurdsson would move up yeah. next to Richarlison and it would, it would almost be like a defensive line from the front and well, it'd just he, be like, well, you can't get the ball to Jorginho or... Yeah, because your know. midfield can sit deeper then, can't they? Exactly, yeah. Um, and, then, and then that cost cuts off the, uh, the passing options mm. for them up front, like the Hazards and, and Marata. And as I say, he's a lot more savvier than what maybe people thought he would be, and, and all credit to him. And that's reflected in the players, players he's bought. You know, uh, Lucas Dean, Yeri Mina, and, and obviously Zuma on, on loan. There's obviously a good eye for a good defender than what, from what we've seen so far. So in that context, um, I was really pleased about the, about the results. Mm. And do you think, Adam, that the result was quite important? I mean, at the start of the season, we spoke a lot about performances, but we played well at Arsenal, we got nothing. We played well at Man United, we got nothing. Is that something to build on? Now, we went to Chelsea. At, at times, we, we took the game to them, but we can come away and we say, you know, we stopped them scoring for the first time under Maurizio mm. Sarri, an unbeaten team, couldn't find a way past us, and we go on with a point. Yeah, I completely agree. I think this is this could be, like, you know, one of those standout... I know it's only a draw, but it could be could prove to be one of those standout results of the season really because as you say we went to we went to Arsenal and you, you're coming out of that so disappointed because it's not even a draw we should have beat them like we we had chances to be three or four nil up at half time like we definitely should have been coming away from there with all three points against Manchester United you know they had chances but we had chances as well you know Bernard when he went round the keeper and hit, hit the side net and you know Seamus Coleman had quite a good chance in that yeah. second half you know we could have we could have easily been coming away from Old Trafford with three points, not just one. I think against Chelsea, it was a little bit different. I think a draw was probably the right result. Yeah. And it, that was all down to our tenacity and how well we worked for that result. And, you know, to to actually just get that point on the board, Marco Silva's got something to massively build on now. Like, it's not as if we've come away from Chelsea going, oh, if we'd have put that chance away, if we'd have put that chance away. Marco Silva's now coming away and saying, look, that was a... Phenomenal performance. If we can just phenomenal. Maybe, well, if we well, <laughs> did he have, have his brown shoes on when he said that? <laughs> well, he, he's now just going to say to the players, "Look, if we can just keep a bit more composure in that final third, you know, maybe make that final ball, or you know, have a bit of better control when you're in inside the box. You know, we, we are very close to being able to say, look, we can go to sides like Chelsea and we can beat them.' Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's part of the. No, I'm going to repeat myself here, but it's part of that thing about developing and progressing during the season and looking for indicators that things are moving on, and that that result was a was an indicator that thing things are moving on with yeah, with, the, with the team yeah. and the club. You know, not only 
from like Manchester United and Arsenal, where I thought actually in a, in the tackle sense we probably played better in both games, didn't yeah. we? Uh, but in terms of where we were at the start of the season and the pattern of the team and where where Marco wants to set us up, so I think that was the other the other gratifying thing I took from from Sunday and the fact that I know I slightly disagree with what Michael said. Michael Ball said last night, mm. is I don't think we, we give them that many chances. I think they had four shots on targets, of which a couple of them you were saves that Pickford you would expect them to make. Mm. Um, probably the most clear and missed he probably had was, was Williams, I thought. I thought that was a big yeah. opportunity. But when you play against Chelsea, you're always going to expect that they're going to create chances. As you say, they scored in every game at Stamford Bridge yeah. this season. At the end of the day, they've got just really good quality footballers, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. And we've reduced them to three or four half chances. I wouldn't say they had a major, major chance where you think, oh, we should have scored there. Mm. We were lucky. And Pickford, to be fair, I think another player we should be talking about, bit by common content, consent, a bit ropey early parts of the season, maybe mm-hmm. a bit of a hangover from the World Cup, but he looked like a proper England keeper on, a, yeah. on Sunday, of course. Yeah, I thought, I thought Pickford yeah. was my man of the match. Yeah, that Chris, really. Chris Beasley also gave... Uh, Jordan Pickford man of the match in his player ratings which actually Gav we'll, we'll stick with you that, that was going to be my next question man of the match Yeti Mina was given the Premier League award Chris Beasley went Jordan Pickford it's, are you going to agree with one of them or are you going to throw your own name into no, that no I think I think Pickford for what he did yeah um, the saves you might say like the saves he should should have made them but he just looks solid uh, and he's obviously I think the one uh, the, the volley the volley from Alonso I don't think that's a, a save that you'd necessarily Expecting the the one that was kind of bouncing into his far corner. You don't, right you, don't expect, well. you don't expect Alonso to catch the ball that exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, I know he's save. I know he's a very good striker of the ball, I, but like still, is that the free kick in the first half? Yeah, yeah I think he went, went over post. to the back yeah, post. Yeah. Yeah. The one yeah, yeah. kind of dove to his right and kind of pulled it pulled it out to the right the right corner. I thought it was a good mm. save. That, that well. was a Marat. That was a far mm. better save than what what, what it looked like first yeah. of all. Uh, I thought the first one, oh cliche, nice eye for the keeper. And some distance, I'd expect an England keeper to uh, to save that. Um, but he just looks far more commanding. Still, think he needs to work on his distribution. Uh, I would I would say in terms of gleaning a point and, and the importance of of contributing towards that, I think he probably deserved it over Yari Mina. Mm. But he was also impressive as well. He's obviously got a bit of um, box office stuff. Hasn't he? He's, <laughs> you know, he's got something about him. Uh, and I think um, he he was considering we had you know, our beer for some of these were twenty eight million quid, whatever. There were some reservations about playing his mm. debut game at Stamford Bridge, and I thought he he strolled through it, got caught out once. I think with Hazard in the second half, I think when he started fussing it wide, mm. uh, and maybe that was a you know he got away with one with Maratta. Yeah, who, who were thought to be honest with his victim of his own sort of behaviour Marathi. he just ends up he just moans all the time doesn't he yeah after the first 15 minutes, minutes he was just yeah. acting petulant wasn't yeah. he Keep kept getting caught offside I think he got caught offside five times yeah, I mean <laughs> like, I, I didn't see the, like the second half you know the, the offside goal he scored and he's going on to the linesman like you know yeah. wrong right he's about <laughs> two or three yards offside, offside. <laughs> I mean and I, I thought maybe that contributed to the non-giving of, of the penalty uh, but that was a bit clumsy um, but I thought from that in a difficult game where Chelsea's going to come at you, I thought he, he, he well, strolled through it, relatively mm. speaking. Do, do you agree with that, Adam? He hadn't started a competitive game since scoring against England and, and obviously being knocked out in the World Cup. So to, to keep a clean sheet of Chelsea, really, with, with the, the kind of 
plethora of talent they have available to them. It's, it's no mean feat, surely. Oh, yeah, I think that can only go down as a fantastic debut for them, really. Uh, the only, As Gav said, the only blots on that performance would probably be uh, maybe getting away with a penalty on Morata and somehow getting booked for that tackle in the first half. I've... That that's one of the worst yellow cards I've ever seen given. Like that, it was an absolutely perfect tackle, and apparently he's been booked for the follow through. I'm not sure how you meant to tackle someone and then instantly stop yourself before you hit the player, but you know, especially but, if they're running towards you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That, there's not a lot you can do. So that's one it? for the referee to decide. And mm-hmm. and I think I can see the arguments for both uh, Mina and Pickford uh, getting man of the match. But if I was given man of the match, I think I'd I'd either go for Idrissa Gay. I think his his performance is all like in, in games like that his performance has always seemed to slide under the radar, but he is so crucial. Not even just for like the amount of effort he makes. He, he just seems to be everywhere around the pitch. You know, he's making tackles, he's making interceptions, he's ma- he's just making it difficult for their midfielders all the time. And because of that energy energy, that then frees up Andre Gomez to do what we all want him to be doing. Uh but if it wasn't uh, gay, I'd be going for Luca Dean. Thought he was really, really good, especially defensively and keeping a player like Willian quiet for the majority of the game. I was really happy with his performance as well. Yeah, I think maybe he needs to uh, clean up on his um, corners and stuff. I think some of our set pieces. Well, yeah, on, that's, uh, that's, on Sunday that's something was, that Michael was, great, was it? something that Michael Ball was saying to yeah. me yesterday. Like he, he's he's a bit concerned about. He said that far too many of our corners are in the first man. Which yeah. is I, I completely a long agree run with. problem for Everton this though. Yeah, we because just can't see corners anymore. The, there's corners there's some ridiculous stats at the moment, isn't there? That's from like our last we 170 a, corners yeah. who scored one, yeah. scored from one of them. Which uh, well, I, I think yeah. it's a problem that's a bit systematic of the whole league at the mm. minute. Like I, I, I can't really remember a Premier League game that I've watched recently where I've gone, oh, yeah. the set pieces in that game were good. Yeah. Like f- for some reason, I'd say over half. All just seem to hit the first man. Yeah, I don't know what. I don't know what. You know, yeah, I, you're a professional footballer. Surely yeah. you can hit the six-yard box at and least. Lucas Dean at uh, Man United was a classical and last minute, wasn't it? You know, yeah. I don't think we've appeared to have more chances to score in the opposition's corners. Than <laughs> our own. Yeah. yeah, but fair play. Uh, it's just a Ghana guy. If you listen to me on the pod for like the last two or three years, not necessarily a fan. Especially in big games, I think especially away from home, where I think he can be out of position and he goes down too easily. But one thing, going back to Silva, is one of the things that players who've worked with him, certainly Hull and Watford said, is that he's a great coach in terms of one-to-one, in terms of working with you. And I think there's two players at the moment who are obviously feeling the benefits of that. I think Michael Keane is one. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's just a guy and a guy's the other. Yeah. Who looks far more comfortable in big games, like at Old Trafford especially. Uh, I know he gave away a penalty, but you know, it was hit and miss. But on, on Sunday... I thought he played really well. He was up there. I thought he was his positional sense was far better. I thought he managed the game far better and he used the ball far better. And I think that's testimony to Silver as much as him. And uh, though I've had me doubts about him, if he if he carries on his form that he showed maybe in the last month or two, and I think as you say, I'd working with Andre Gomez, mm. I think benefits him. I, I see no reason why he can't stay in the team. My my feeling was is that I think we need I still think we need to hold a midfielder. But I think he's uh, putting together a good case to remain in the team for the foreseeable when you, future. When you say we need a holding midfielder, what kind of somebody, what kind of profile are you looking for? Somebody can use the ball better. You right, can okay. stand the front of the back four and you use the ping the ball around a bit more and let Andre Gomez play more box to box. I think Gomez and, and Gay perfectly complement each other personally. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it's all about the partnership for me. I think that's what we've 
really been missing so far this season. Like it's obvious, it's been obvious to us for years that Idrissa Gay is one of the most underrated players in the Premier League, and he's just absolutely fantastic at doing what he does. It just, he just, I think I, mem- I remember in the podcast just after the West Ham game saying that just him and Schneiderlin just don't work well together anymore because having Schneiderlin next to him meant that Gay had to do a bit too much going forward. He felt a bit too much pressure to be, you know, playing those like 50 yard passes or, you know, trying to run at, run at players when that's just really not his game. I think playing next to Andre Gomez, who has not just shown that he can do it in an attacking sense. He also gets back and does his defensive contribution really well as well. I think that just allows Gay to just be, be the player that he needs to be. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't need to be, running forward and, you know, trying to thread these through yeah. balls out to our wingers. You know, that's not what we need them to do. We need them to break up play, pass it out to Gomez, Sigurdsson, maybe one of our full-backs, just yeah. get back in position. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I mean, the one thing I would say, which I think is a concern, is where our goals are coming from at the moment. If Richarlison doesn't score and Sigurdsson doesn't score, mm. bear in mind our set-piece threat... Is virtually <laughs> nil um, or close to nil, you know. But, but I know from free kicks probably we're okay. Is you know what 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 Arsenal Man United to a degree and certainly on on Sunday is where our goals are going to come from in the team because Walcott we had two great chances to wind men did me on Sunday Walcott and Bernard and both of them you know we were talking about six side football before we potted you know they would not have looked out of place in the Sixers high game yeah. <laughs> that, that type of control you can look back at that yeah. and laugh at Bernard's little yeah. incident but now like, I, I'm not saying that yeah, yeah. his legs seemed too small to like pick up <laughs> yeah. over the ball like he just couldn't, he just couldn't I think he was ca- I genuinely think he was caught in two minds like I think at the last second he, he saw maybe saw Richarlison out the corner of his eye he was in a bit of good good space and he was like oh do a shoot do a pass do you, and he just completely missed the ball yeah. I think the, the one the, the disappointing thing for me in that is that Bernard a lot has looked really composed on the ball at times, and I think that was one of them where he didn't realise that he couldn't let the ball come back. Yeah, down. Yeah, he had time. Can, he had loads yeah, of time to bring loads. it down. Yeah. But obviously, you know, you, you know, you're in that position. You've and you, your first thought is to get the shot away, isn't it? But it's, it's, a player of his quality, you like to think that if he would have brought the ball down there, he would have had a, at least four save or been able to to pull the ball. It's back. indicative of a player though who's come into. Not even just a new team, a new league. He hasn't really been playing yeah. consistent football since March, at the very least. So you know, even even with a player of his quality, you know, you do kind of expect those kind of nerves to maybe come in, especially in that final third. You know, when the game against Stamford Bridge, you know, I think that came around about the hour mark, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. So you know, the pre- the pressure's starting to build up a little bit. You're thinking, oh, if we can take the lead here, yeah, maybe. You know, I, I do think it just affects every player. I think, going back to your point, again, on Walcott there, like he's not done himself any favours again with that. No, no, I, like, I think he started the game better for me, especially in the defensive sense. Like, I had noticed him do, doing a bit more to try and help out Coleman, but as the game wore on, he just, he, just, he just started to go missing again. And, you know, he had that, you know, that fantastic ball played through to him from Sigurdsson. All he needed was a, a decent first touch and he's in on goal. You know, you 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 you're starting to look at him and thinking you really need to start contributing more because Adam Ola Luckman's come on again that this weekend and I thought he looked really really good. He was direct. He was energetic. He was I, I I was noticing him a lot off the ball as well. I was trying to notice 
how he was setting up in Marco Silva's defensive system and he looked really, really good on that left-hand side. He, whenever Chelsea were in possession, he was always covering that man in behind him to make sure that Dean wasn't getting doubled up on, which yeah. I think was really important for how well Dean played as well in that last half hour. Yeah, it goes back to being well coached, doesn't it? Yeah. And he's another one. I think I think that he's one of a few players who hopefully will benefit from Silver's coaching in the same way that Jessica Garner Gay and Michael Keane look to have done. And I, I, I think we've got a, obviously an international break's not ideal, but I think he's making a case Luckman, isn't he, to saying I need to be starting here. Well, and and of- I think I would play. I would start in the next game, which is, is Cardiff. Yeah, it's Car- home. Cardiff yeah, at yeah. home, and then it's the derby. Yeah, yeah. Heads of or? yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd give. Depends Theo. on the fitness of Sigurdsson. I'd say. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, assuming everybody's fit in the car as well. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. assuming we had the full full team to select from, I would I would drop Walcott as a shot across the bows to say, listen, Theo, you know, I don't think you're doing it, and he hasn't done it for for a while. Uh, I'd keep Bernard in, as you say, I'd to keep his fitness levels up yeah. and stuff. Yeah, uh, and 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 I'd bring Luckman in. How you would configure them? Whether you'd move Bernard to the right and Luckman to the left, I, or, I, or I think yeah. I probably would because I think Bernard yeah. he always seems to want to cut back anyway onto his yeah. right foot to make crosses rather than shots. I think Luckman's very much if I, if I can have a go at yeah. goal, I will. Don't, don't think Bernard's really that kind of player. I think, I think, think he, right. he wants to set players up rather than take it much on yeah. for himself. So, so I yeah, see I'd no, say yeah, Bernard I see on, no purpose Bernard in bringing right, Lochman yeah. into the team, so I'm playing you as right if you think yeah. about it. So I would. I think, uh, I think, I believe I didn't go the game last week, but I believe he was good in the midweek game last week as well, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, Sam was our yeah, man on yeah, the day yeah. there. Sharp. Yeah. Sharp. Um, this piece of skill against Chelsea where he megged one and then oh, he only beat, beat three players there. He for the echo, oh, didn't he? Yeah. That was, that was, that was, that was lovely, that. First, one of the first times, though, I can remember him like actually taking men on, and I think that's what I want to see well, more, well, of, it's more from. It's starting to build up that confidence, and it's like you were saying there, Gav, it's all about that coaching, and I think yeah. well, from the experience of speaking to Marco Silva over the past couple of weeks, you know, there have been questions especially about Richarlison's place in the squad you know a couple of weeks ago saying oh you know should he be playing up front or should he be playing on the left so I was asking these kinds of questions to Silver you know I think uh, when Calvert-Lewin and Tosin have both just scored against Palace and I said well do either of them come in and Richarlison moves back onto the left and Silver seemed very keen to be speaking about Luckman rather than Tosin Tosin and Calvert-Lewin you know he's, he's, he's very clear on Building up Adam Ola Luckman's confidence, and I think we we can we can safely assume that Luckman's attitude has been pretty incredible this season. I mean, considering considering there were a lot of there was a lot of speculation over the summer. You know, we were all looking at his body language and saying, "Oh, is his is his heart really in it? Is he already thinking about that possible permanent move back yeah. to RB Leipzig?" But I think since since the transfer transfer windows closed, we've heard absolutely nothing from well, especially from. Luchman's side of things about any sort of potential move away again. Like he's just he seems to have just got his head down. He's obviously doing it in training because he's getting into Marco Silva's squad every week now, and he's just focused on forcing his way into the Everton squad and it's working for him because you, we are starting to see that improvement now. You know those those little pieces of skill. You know, just, did he score against Gormeyer? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, even whoever he whoever he scores against goals a goal, isn't it? Yeah. So you know. 
it's just the just yeah. the, those little those little notches building that confidence back up. I, I'm all for it, and I think I agree. the Cardiff game is probably the perfect yeah the perfect opportunity. And it's just good, good management, isn't it? By yeah. over again with them, you know, uh, getting them to knuckle down on face value. You don't want you don't. We don't know what's going. Yeah. But I think it's safe to assume. You know, like, there were there was times at the start of the season when he wasn't even getting in the squad. Yeah, and you can only presume that that was because of you know any possible speculation. Blah blah blah. But there was sailing this under Cumin as well, wasn't after the Middlesbrough game where he missed a couple of good chances, I think. Uh, so I think we've got you've got to give him a chance. And, and as you say, talking about him in interviews, that's part of the PR thing with him, isn't it? You know. So yeah, I'd uh, definitely say to Theo. Um, well, it could also have a knockdown effect on Walker, couldn't it? You know, if you take him out the team for a couple of weeks and he, he kind of says, "Okay, next time I'm in," he knows then he, he has to make a big impression as well. Does, yeah, that, yeah that, absolutely. Well, that's the. It's what Silver's wanted all season, really. He's always he's always said throughout the times that we've had injury problems earlier this term. He said, "Well, when we're when we've got everyone fit, we're going to be stronger." And this is this is what it means to have an actual strong squad. Like it's a squad yeah. game in the Premier League now. You can't just have you know eleven players and that's it. You know we we want people fighting for these type of positions. And you know if Luchman comes in and he has a few good games, then he deserves that place in the team. And you know then you've got. You've got to look at Theo Walcott and see yeah. how he gets back into the side. So, you know, it, it's great to have people fighting for these positions. Yeah, I mean, I think on the squad, that's important. I think, you know, if you think about it, the squad has changed in a period of time in a real positive way. I mean, it's all right having 20, 25 players in your squad and like six of them are defensive midfielders and six of them are number 10s like we had under Koeman at one <laughs> stage. He swiftly moved that squad's round where there is that balance. You know, when I was a piece this morning... You guys said about like who's our best choice pair in the centre half, you mm-hmm. know, uh, which is a really good question. Um, we'll get on to that. And there was separate. Set, you do a whole pause about that, couldn't you? Really? Uh, and then well, you got Holgate and Jags in the wings there, haven't you? As well. Um, so I think he's done quite well in getting in a short space of time. Maybe still two places. Mm-hmm. Two sorry, two two players looking for one place. Abi, as I say, I do think we're a defensive midfielder short. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, and I think as part of that rotation comes into it. And I think if somebody's not doing it for a period of time, like Walcott is is not doing it, then I think Luckman deserves his uh, place, mm-hmm. not necessarily on a like-for-like swap on, on that basis. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. And just to touch on what Gav said then, Adam, obviously this morning, me, you and Dave Prentice. And Chris Beasley. And Chris Beasley. Yeah. Nearly, nearly left out the Beesman. Can't, was... can't leave big CB out. No, I think Chris would have definitely had something something to say. He yeah. would have probably left one on me in the Echo Six aside on a Wednesday. Yeah. He does love a, a and tackle. We debated our uh, first choice defensive partnership for the game against Cardiff when uh, we returned from international duty. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about who you chose and why, and we'll see if Gav agrees with you. Well, I I went for Keenan Mina because for me, if it's if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like Mina's come straight into the side and he's slotted in. Was, so was it broken before the Chelsea game? Though, was yeah, the... but we had to fix it then, didn't we? Like, I suppose so. We we had a we had a cog missing, so we did need to fix it. Like, so I I just think you've got to you've got to go with nothing that's harsh on on Kurt. I think it. Well, it's, at the end of the day, it might be a little bit harsh, but at the end of the day, he's not our player. He's only on loan from Chelsea. I'd rather. I'd rather go with the players who are. Gav Buckland is making faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd rather go with yeah. the players who are actually signed to Everton. Michael Keane's been our best defender this season, so I wouldn't want to drop in at you, all. You're dropping Andre Gomez on this uh, on this basis as well, then. 
to, to get minutes for when we play Barcelona in that big Super League clash. Yeah, so it's never going to be an <laughs> yeah. issue. I don't know why you're drinking that up. <laughs> and, uh, oh, you never know. You never know. You know yeah. I, do, I just don't think you can break up a defence that's just kept a clean sheet at Chelsea. The first the first team to stop Mauricio Sarri's Chelsea scoring at Stamford Bridge this season. Why would you break that up? Yeah. Keen and Mina for me. Gav, I'm going to do my Gary Neville impression from Sunday, but see, in essence, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think there's two questions here. Who's, who's our central defensive partnership for the next game? Like Adam was saying there. But I don't think we've seen enough, probably, of all three players in combination as partnership to say what, what our best is. I mean, we've not hmm. seen Zuma and Mina together yet, have we? No, for the start. So, I th- and I think they know. could. I think they could complement each other yeah. very well. I just don't think that Michael Keane deserves to be dropped. Yeah. So we, we don't know. We don't. I think it may be up until we've got this tough run of games coming up, haven't we? A couple of uh, difficult fixtures. I think like lots of areas of the pitch might be like sort of January before we find out. What I would say within that is, I haven't bought Yeri Mina for twenty-eight million. As long as he stays fit and is doing. Minimum okay, I think he has to be in the team, doesn't he? But in the, on that basis, then Michael Keane surely yeah. deserves to be in, well, at, in the team. Well, at this moment in time, but I think I would like to see, I would like to see Mina and Zuma try at some point. Well, I think and I'd we'll, like to see. Well, we'll get the chance, yeah. won't we? Like, yeah, over the yeah. festive period, we're going to have an, and that's what I mean. an absolute deluge of game. So yeah. we'll, we'll get the chance to see them all together. Yeah. I just think for the next game in particular, I just wouldn't want to break up a defence that have that have just kept a clean that, sheet. I you know, keep, fair, keep, fair keep that confidence high. I mean, you you went for something different in yours, didn't you, Sam? Yeah, I I went for Mina and Zuma. I just think that's the best partnership we have. I think you've got to play your best team when it's available. I can't I believe you can say that yeah. with, with Michael Keane's performances oh. this season. Yeah. I think Michael Keane's played well, but I think Zuma's still been better than Keane, and I think that Mina is is a better player than Keane overall. So I just think it's it's that's a case mm. of playing your best squad, and and if Zuma isn't to be Everton's at the end of the season, I mean. He did sign a five, six-year deal with Chelsea recently. If he, if Zuma sorry goes back to them, uh, then you know Keane then has proven in the first few games of this season that he can have a, a successful career. Everton it doesn't it doesn't have to be a you know dropping him because he's not good enough. It's just competition at the squad. And considering this time last season, we were wondering who should play centre half out of Phil Jagielka, Ashley Williams, Mason Holgate. We were all thinking that the return of Ramiro Funes Mori would probably sort yeah, us yeah. out a little bit. <laughs> that, that shows you how far you've come, that you've got them three. You know, I wrote in my piece that I think Mason Holgate and Phil Jagielka are probably now further away from Everton's first team than they have been since they, they both arrived at the club. Which Jagielka came out at the weekend. Yeah. I know, but from a starting role in, in the okay. team, you know, I, I, I just can't see where them two make appearances this, this term unless we get unlucky with injuries again or we, we get a pretty easy tie in the FA Cup so I'm, I'm happy to have them three but I would be having the, the ruthless yeah. sit down with Michael and tell him that he's benched against Cardiff yeah, yeah, yeah. Harsh for I, th- me. I think, I think there's, two, there's two things there what you're saying Sam is that the first one is it doesn't necessarily feel like your two best centre arse make the best partnership because yeah. some players got different strengths that compliments each other about like who would, who would push forward who would sit back and all that type of stuff yeah that, then that, that's the first thing. And the second thing is, there may be some games, and I think you touched on it in the piece, that you might want to play three. Mm. You know, not not every game, but you might, you know, some depends on the opposition, mm. you may want to play three. Have you not had the life scared out of you by Everton using the five-of-the-back formation? Well, it, it worked at the weekend, didn't it? Like, we, we brought on Jack Yelkin, and so, I thought, like... Well, I mean, I've got to say, when we made that sub, I was, I was a bit wary, because I thought it would just invite... 
invite a bit too much pressure on, but I'm happy to be proven wrong. I thought I thought we looked quite solid when Jagielka yeah. came on, and I, w- I wouldn't be opposed to see to seeing it. But yeah. the, the problem is, then you lose one of those players going forward, forward and yeah. I. I, I I wouldn't Definitely. want to. I wouldn't want to split up that front four at the minute. Well, I mean, Walcott aside, maybe put Luchman in. I wouldn't want to put the shape. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. want. I wouldn't want to ruin the shape of that front four. And as we've mentioned I mean, before, I think Gay and Gomez work really well together. So it's just you, I don't know who you drop out of those. Well, to, you don't necessarily. I mean, without trying to sort of prejudge, you don't necessarily have to play you two two fullbacks from wide positions in a middle four. Mm. If you play three four three, you know you can play somebody who's naturally naturally. You know, a wide man. You could play Luckman, say wide left in the, mm. in the four. You know, it's like Rodgers did it when he played Sterling, didn't he? As a, as, as wide left. So you, you don't necessarily have to make, you know, the wing Why backs. Why Buckland wants to see Adam or Luckman left wing back? Is <laughs> <laughs> where, where this is going. <laughs> Just saying, no one said. Evans five thousand seater Bramley Moore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, don't, don't get personal. Add yeah. another zero onto that. No, but what, what I'm saying is, is you don't. I'm not saying Luckman's the first name that came into bed. You don't necessarily have to play your full backs as wing backs. I know what you mean. Yeah, in a three-four-three. You know, you don't have to, you know, as you say, Ad, you could keep your four, but play it in this like, yeah. put them in a different part of the pitch. So I think it's, there's options there. And the good thing is we've got the players now who provide those options. And I'm more confident in Silver playing three at the back, based on what I've seen so far than some of our previous managers. Well, I mean, say. It's just a nicer option to have this season, isn't it? Because yeah. we're, we're, we're going through these options as a way to accommodate more of our good players rather than trying to fill gaps for players who are playing poorly. I think that's what we were forever doing last season. You know, there was always players out of form, and we had to keep chopping and changing to try and yeah. to try and fill the gaps there. This time, it's it's more so. Right, we've got we've got a uh, fourteen players playing well here. How do we all? How do we fit them all into yeah. one team? And obviously, then Adam, today you broke the news of uh, Andre Gomez returning. Somewhat. Uh, vague statement released by Portugal from mm. international duty and, and Gilfie Sigson as well. Just, just tell us a little bit more about that and how important is it that Marco Silva has them two back for the Cardiff game? Yeah, so yesterday the news broke that uh, uh, Iceland had sent Gilfie Sigurdsson back early, uh, suffered an ankle injury, got substituted uh, for, for Jagielka, wasn't it? Uh, quite late on in that Chelsea game. I can only presume that ankle injuries from that dreadful Jorginho tackle which he, yeah, I don't which, think he needs to be Sherlock yeah. Holmes for that one. Well, I mean, he, ma- like he managed that. to play on for a, for a yeah. bit of time. Uh, he was pictured leaving Stamford Bridge in a protective booth, but he didn't have any sort of crutches or anything like that. So you're hoping that's just a precaution. Uh, he's going to be assessed by Everton's medical team this weekend. Fingers crossed he'll be fine for the Cardiff game. As with Andre Gomez, uh, Portugal released a statement quite late last night that uh, Gomez wouldn't be taking part in their upcoming international matches either. Uh, he suffered bruising to his leg, as uh, Everton described it. So he he will again be assessed by Everton's medical team. So fingers crossed, both will be available for that Cardiff game because I think both of them have, have proven themselves to be such important players. I think Sigurdsson yeah. in particular uh, at the weekend. It wasn't just like obviously we've mentioned before that Everton was a bit stunted going forward at the weekend, but I think Sigurdsson then just excelled in other areas I think defensively he was yeah. fantastic he made four tackles and four interceptions which was more than any other Everton player on that day and he 
essentially shackled Jorginho, who was such an important player for Mauricio Sarri so far this Played season. The, the, the lowest amount of passes, did you write this week? Yeah, yeah. Like Jorginho, early, earlier this season, Jorginho broke a Premier League record for the amount of passes he yeah. played. I think it was against West Ham, maybe. Um, I'm... I might need to be fact-checked on that. I'm not quite sure. That's, that's <laughs> right well, now. He set a record, though, Yeah, he set a Premier yeah, League record yeah. earlier this season and then uh, Everton managed to re- uh, reduce that to his lowest amount so far well, this season. I didn't, didn't realise that, but I can yeah. understand it because we did press. And I think you need to start reading Adam's stuff, Gav. I do, actually. <laughs> uh, uh, um, I'm very good ears as well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> there we go. As Boost. I told him the other week, us, us two <laughs> people did. have to keep together, you know. <laughs> he, did, yeah, he, yeah. Did, he did actually text me after <laughs> yeah, the Man United yeah. game yeah, 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 saying, how, saying how good I'd, how I'd yeah. been. Well, yeah, I don't... So. I don't Sam won't get that, by the way. I'm just just checking my phone now and I confirm I don't have a text off Gavin Buckland. Do you have a text? It will be. Does it text saying i Do you have each other's number? We don't have each other's number. Ah, well, see, there you go. It'll be about the Bramley Moore staging capacity. As we enter the podcast, I add it and then I hear them start talking about Adam Oluch when that left wing back and just subsequently deleted it. Yeah. Just saying, you can play You can play him on the left in a 3 4 3, seriously. Play, tell you do well there, Rick Allison and three four three. Do you know what I was, ge- I was going to say? Dominic yeah. Calvert Lewin yeah. on the right, yeah. Alice Stoke, yeah. twenty seventeen. Ronald Koeman's tactical masterclass. That <laughs> going back, I thought Gomez. He was struggling at the end on, on Sunday. I thought I was, he was I, really. Yeah, I was, he was, I was saying he looked. He looked and a bit the other tired. one I thought was surprised. Is Rick Allison going on international duty? I assume he is. Yeah, he yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. That was a bit of a surprise because he took. He went off, didn't he, with his groin, wasn't it on the. On, on Sunday, he took he took a few yeah, knocks yeah. to uh, that ankle that was uh, yeah. giving him a bit of jip uh, the week before. I'm surprised. The only thing I'd say is, once you get in the Brazil squad, you don't necessarily want to sort of, you know, leave it. You know, just you know. Yeah, I think I think he's a young lad. Yeah, to be fair, like I don't think Everton would have allowed him to go if it if the injury was was anything that they thought might keep him out of the Cardiff game, like let alone the derby. The more yeah, he plays Brazil as well, the, the better words he can slide in for Neymar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. little January move, do you fancy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure that'll happen somehow. <laughs> well, <laughs> be, before the podcast started, we, we were originally saying this could be quite a short one. Obviously, our Everton correspondent Phil Kirkbride not here today. Just the three of us, me, Adam, and Gav. But we've, we've actually rattled on for quite a while there. But just just to end, just to touch on, uh, and it's quite big for for Everton after that refereeing performance on Sunday. Uh, the VAR is getting sent out a, a kind of presentation to all Premier League shareholders this week on Thursday, which they're obviously able to flick through, and it's the start of the steps to implementing VAR full time to the Premier League. Adam, pro VAR or anti VAR? Very much on the fence VAR. I think on it's the sti- fence VAR. Yeah, I think it's still it's still a really flawed system. The problem with VAR is the human element behind it. Like it, it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that. A lot of the decisions that are going to be subject to VAR are still very objective. You know, there there are going to be still disagreements about certain ones. I mean, you, you saw so many over the World Cup, yeah. like that went to VAR, and people were going, "Oh, how's that still a penalty? Or oh, how, how how hasn't that been overturned?" Blah blah blah. You know, the the good thing with goal line technology is that it gives you a definitive answer. Yeah. Regardless, like you, you literally cannot argue with goal line technology. I think with VAR, that argument. Still survives. I think if 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 push if push came to shove, I would I would see it introduced. And I think the only way the only way to iron out these sorts of kinks is to actually involve it. And like, but yeah, I I I think that there are still a few issues there that I'd I'd want to see. Would you like to see them maybe? uh, And you know, you see people calling for it. Do you think if VAR 
is implemented, they need someone to come out after games, and you know, obviously it's mandatory for players. Well, managers, I, I do think, you need a referee to come well, out. And I say, think it's, okay, this is why it went to review, and this is how they came to that. I think it, I think that's one of the big issues. I think it's it's a real problem for me that referees don't come out and explain the decisions. I think I think we all would have liked, you know, the, the referees come out after that Martial one. You know, because we were all we were all debating whether his yeah. position was right, whether he'd properly seen it. Why doesn't he just come out and tell us? Yeah. Well, this is what I see. This is what I saw. Maybe the maybe the official on the far side gave it. Yeah. Don't know. You know, I'd, I'd I'd love to hear these sorts of things. You know, like like the referee at the weekend. By the way, I've seen a, I've seen a little replay of Bernard this Bernard and Rudiger yeah. thing. The the referee's not even looking at it, yeah. and he manages to book both players. So like how. I'd love, to know, I'd love to know. I'd love to know. I mean, I'd love for him to. Yeah. I'd love for him to come out and say this is well. This is how I came to that decision. This rather than told rather than we're just left <laughs> looking at that mad screenshot. Um, pro, I think pro. anything that helps referees. I, I, I think you've got to bring in. I just think it's too fast and too complicated. Uh, game now with too much going on. Uh, for a bond referee to um, to control it, and I think anything that helps a referee, I, I be I agree with Adam saying it's not perfect, and I think you'll only you'll only iron out the flaws. I think with practice and and development mm. of it, uh, it was no from the World Cup. It appears to be less of a problem near the end of the tournament than the start of the yeah. tournament. I don't know if that's because there was better players involved. I don't know. I think better I think timing became less like, of an issue yeah, as well, didn't it? Um, and I think you, you, I think quite easy. I think quite quickly, maybe within a season, you get something that works pretty, pretty smoothly. Uh, and I think um, at, at the same time, there are there are things that are just subjective. I mean, Yeri Mina and uh, Marata, is that a, he, ten different people could look at that on one day. He couldn't in five would say it was a penalty. And five, all they were all five Chelsea fans. Teams. Yeah, not a penalty. <laughs> all five <laughs> Chelsea fans. Yeah, but you know what I mean. There are lots of stuff, but there's still there's still stuff like. I mean that Martial thing with with just wouldn't have been given. I don't think that would have been given no. if it had gone to VAR. It's not given in any. Surely that that, that can never you know, ever be given. Well, actually, actually, because the FA aren't reviewing that at all, so that yeah. make that makes me think that some people would have given that as a penalty because surely some like a few people at the FA must have looked back at that and went, "Oh, actually, that that probably is a penalty." The, Martial hasn't deceived the official there. The fact that only Zinni so, and the Ass are the only two people to ever yeah. fall foul of that Premier League kind of like re- review rule is just absolutely. Well, they've they've yeah. shot themselves well, in the foot with that because yeah. how that doesn't get looked back on the Martial and there's been countless other instances just. It does. It does look it's odd, doesn't it? Yeah, it yeah. does. Back to Martial. Yeah, I, I agree. Is that it's not so clear cut that actually it wasn't you know wasn't a penalty, but it looks it gives an opportunity for somebody to review it. Yeah. Um, regarding, I don't know. You heard last week, uh, Sam, when I was saying about like the Lanzini, you know, and um, Nias, is that my feelings on this is quite clear. If it's such a massive problem that the FA, the Premier League, whatever needs to bring in a disciplinary group or an oversight group to, to check on all these people trying to uh, uh, kids referees but I've only two players being done for it then so it couldn't have been that it's either A not that much of a problem in the first place mm-hmm. or B you're not doing the job properly mm-hmm. I, I suspect it's probably the latter B. yeah well Adam Gav, thank you very much for joining us today in the latest Royal Blue podcast. You can now follow the Royal Blue podcast on Facebook and leave all your comments and suggestions on there we'll be back Uh, during the international weekend later on the week to discuss all the latest Everton news. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.